Section 2 of Swordsman of Lost Terra by Paul William Anderson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Paul Harvey. The men of Kalorn stood their ground, shoulder to shoulder, pikes braced and swords aloft. They had the advantage of high ground and meant to use it. From behind their ranks came a steady hail of arrows and stones, whistling through the air, to crack among the enemy ranks and tumble men to earth. Yet still the Darklanders came, leaping and bounding and running with strange precision. They did not yell, and their faces were blank as white stone. But behind them the rapid thud of their drums rose to a pulse-shaking roar. Hi, bellowed Red Bram, sunder them. The great long-shafted axe shrieked in his hands, belled on an enemy helmet, and crashed through into skull and brain and shattering jawbone. Again he smote, sideways, and a head leaped from its shoulders. A dark land warrior thrust for his belly. He kicked one booted foot out and sent the man lurching back into his own ranks. Whirling, he hewed down one who engaged the Kelorner beside him. A foeman sprang against him as he turned, chopping at his leg. With a roar that lifted over the clashing racket of battle, Bram turned, the axe already flying in his hands, and cut the stranger down. His red beard blazed like a torch over the struggle as it swayed back and forth. His streaming axe was a lightning bolt that rose and fell and rose again, and the thunder of metal on breaking metal rolled between the hills. Kerry stood by his tires, bow in hand, shooting and shooting into the masses that roiled about him. None came too close, and he could not leave his post lest the unchained bulls stampede. He shuddered with the black fury of battle. When would Bram call the charge? How long? Zip, zip, gray-feathered death winged into the tide that rolled up to the wagons and fell back and resurged over its corpses. The men of Killorn were yelling and cursing as they fought, but the Darklanders made never a sound save for the hoarse gasping of breath and the muted groans of the wounded. It was like fighting demons, yellow-eyed and silver-bearded, and with no soul in their bony faces. The northerners shivered and trembled and hewed with a desperate fury of loathing. Back and forth the battle swayed, roar of axes and whine of arrows and harsh iron laughter of swords. Kerry stood firing and firing. The need to fight was a bitter catch in his throat. How long to wait? How long? How long? Why didn't Riach blow the skirl of death on the pipes? Why not fling them back with the horror of disintegration in their bones and then rush out to finish them? Kerry knew well that the war song of the gods was only to be played in time of direst need, for it hurt friend almost as much as foe. But even so, even so, a few shaking bars to drive the enemy back in death and panic, and then the sortie to end them. Of a sudden, he saw a dozen Darklanders 
break from the main battle by the wagons, and approached the spot where he stood. He shot two swift arrows, threw his spear, and pulled out a sword with the savage laughter in his heart. The demoniac battle joy of the Broina. Ha! Let them come. The first sprang with downward whistling blade. Carry twisted aside, letting speed and skill be his shield. His long glaive flickered out, and the enemy screamed as it took off his arm. Whirling, Carry spitted the second through the throat. The third was on him before he could withdraw his blade, and a fourth from the other side, raking for his vitals. He sprang back. Gorwain, he shouted, Gorwain. The huge black bull heard. His fellows snorted and shivered, but stayed at their place. Carey didn't know how long they would wait. He prayed that they would stay a moment more. The lead tire ran up beside his master, and the ground trembled under his cloven hooves. The white foemen shrank back, still dead of face, but with fear plain in their bodies. Gorwain snorted, an explosion of thunder, and charged them. There was an instant of flying bodies, tattered flesh ripped by the horns, and ribs snapping underfoot. The Darklanders thrust with their spears. The points glanced off the armor plating, and Gorwain turned and slew them. Here, cried Carey sharply. Back, Gorwain, here. The tire snorted and circled, rolling his eyes. The killing madness was coming over him. If he were not stopped now, he might charge, friend or foe. Gorwain, screamed Carey. Slowly, trembling under his shining black hide, the bull returned. And now Riach, the warlock, stood up behind the ranks of Kilorn, tall and steely gray. He went out between them, the pipes in his arms and the mouthpieces at his lips. For an instant, the Darklanders wavered, hesitating to shoot at him, and then he blew. It was like the snarling music of any bagpipe, and yet there was more in it. There was a boiling tide of horror riding the notes. Men's hearts faltered, and weakness turned their muscles watery. Higher rose the music, and stronger and louder, screaming in the dales, and before men's eyes the world grew unreal, shivering beneath them. The rocks faded to mist, and the trees groaned, and the sky shook. They fell toward the ground, holding their ears, half blind with unreasoning fear, and with the pain of the giant hand that gripped their bones and shook them, shook them. The Darklanders reeled back, falling, staggering, and many of those who toppled were dead before they hit the earth. Others milled in panic. The army was becoming a mob. The world groaned and trembled and tried to dance to the demon music. Riach stopped. Bram shook his bull head to clear the ringing and the fog in it. At them, he roared, charge! Sanity came back. The land was real and solid again, and men who were used to the terrible drone of the pipes could force strength back into shuddering bodies. With a great shout, the warriors of Kilorn formed ranks and moved forward. Kerry leaped up on the back of Gorwain. 
straddling the armored chine and gripping his knees into the mighty flanks. His sword blazed in the air. Now kill them, my beauties, he howled. In a great wedge, with Gorwain at their lead, the tires rushed out on the foe. Earth shook under the rolling thunder of their feet. Their bellowing filled the land and clamored at the gates of the sky. They poured like a black tide down on the dark land host and hit it. Hoo-ah, cried Kerry. He felt the shock of running into that mass of men, and he clung tighter, holding on with one hand while his sword whistled in the other. Bodies fountain before the rush of the bulls. Horns tossed men into the heavens, and hooves pounded them into the earth. Carrie swung at dimly glimpsed heads. The hit shivered along his arm, but he could not see if he killed anyone. There wasn't time. Through and through the Darkland army, the bulls plowed, goring a lane down its middle, while the colorners fell on it from the front. Blood and thunder and erupting violence, death reaping the foe, and Kerry rode onward. Oh, my beauties, my black sweethearts, horn them, stamp them into the ground. Oh, lovely, lovely, push them on, my Gorwain, knock them down to hell, best of bulls. The tires came out on the other side of the broken host and thundered on down the ridge. Kerry fought to stop them. He yelled and whistled, but he knew such a charge could not expend itself in a moment. As they rushed on, he heard the high, brazen call of a trumpet, and then another, and another, and a new war cry rising behind him. What was that? What had happened? They were down in a rocky swale before he had halted the charge. The bulls stood shivering then. Foam and blood streaked their heavy sides. Slowly, with many curses and blows, he got them turned. But they would only walk back up the long hill. As he neared the battle again, he saw that another force had attacked the Darklanders from behind. It must have come through the long ravine to the west, which would have concealed its approach from those fighting southern twilight landers. Kerry saw, well-trained and equipped, though, they seemed to fight wearily. But between men of north and south, the Easterners were being cut down in swaths. Before he could get back, the remnants of their host was in full flight. Bram was too busy with the newcomers to pursue, and they soon were lost in the eastern darkness. Carey dismounted and led his bulls to the wagons to tie them up. They went through a field of corpses, heaped and piled on the blood-soaked earth, but most of the dead were enemies. Here and there the wounded cried out in the twilight, and the women of Kalorn were going about, securing their own hunt. Carrion birds hovered above on darkling wings. Who are those others? asked Carrie, a Bram's wife, Isla. She was a big, raw-boned woman, somewhat of a scold, but stout-hearted and the mother of tall sons. She stood leaning on an unstrung bow and looking over the suddenly hushed landscape. Rivanians, I think, she replied absently. Then, Carrie, Carrie, I have ill news for you. 
His heart stumbled, and there was a sudden coldness within him. Mutely, he waited. Riach is dead, Carrie, she said gently. An arrow took him in the throat, even as the Darklanders fled. His voice seemed thick and clumsy. Where is he? She led him inside the logger of wagons. A fire had been lit to boil water, and its red glow danced over the white faces of women and children and wounded men where they lay. To one side the dead had been stretched, and white-headed Lockley Abdaf stood above them with his bagpipes couched in his arms. Carrie knelt over Riach. The warlock's bleak features had softened a little in death. He seemed gentle now, but quiet, so pale and quiet. And soon the earth will open to receive you. You will be laid to rest here in an alien land where the life slipped from your hands and the high windy tarns of Kalorn will not know you ever again. Oh, Riach the Piper, farewell, farewell, my father. Sleep well, good night, good night. Slowly, Carrie brushed the gray hair back from Riach's forehead and knelt and kissed him on the brow. They had laid the god pipe beside him, and he took this up and stood numbly, wondering what he would do with this thing in his hands. Old Lockley gave him a somber stare. His voice came so soft you could scarce hear it over the thin, whispering wind. Now you are the Broina, Carrie, and thus the Piper of Kalorn. I know, he said dully. But you know not how to play the pipes, do you? No, no man does that, since Broina himself had them from Lugan Longsward in heaven. There has been one who knew their use, and he was the shield of all Kalorn. But now that is ended, and we are alone among strangers and enemies. It is not good, but we must do what we can. Oh, aye, tis scarcely your fault, Carrie, but I fear none of us will ever drink the still waters of the lake where it is forever sunset again. Lockley put his own pipes to his lips, and the wild despair of the old Coronach wailed forth over the hushed camp. Carrie slung the god pipes over his back and wandered out of the lager toward Bram and the Ravinians. End of section two. Recording by Paul Harvey.